Welcome back to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. This is John Veldheis, senior writer for BadgerBlitz.com. Joined once again by John McNamara, the publisher of BadgerBlitz.com. How are you doing, John? Doing real well. Good. Well, let's uh, let's just kind of dive right into it. We're getting back into the uh, the podcast rhythm of things now that uh, Wisconsin's 2018 season has started. Started off uh, last Friday night with a uh, a very solid, I thought, 34 to three win over uh, Western Kentucky in a night game at Camp Randall Stadium. Um, I guess, uh, uh, John, I'm curious to get your initial thoughts from that game. I mean, I think in the in the immediate aftermath of it. Um, in, in writing and thinking about it, I think there were there were a couple things that you know people kind of focused on, and you know that you could nitpick a little bit here and there. Specifically, maybe a couple um, offensive issues that uh, needed to be worked out, or things like that. Uh, but you know, in taking in kind of the broader scope of um, you know the the rest of college football from that weekend, it's hard to argue uh, that a you know a thirty point or more win. Um, isn't isn't something to uh, uh, I mean that's nothing to sneeze at uh, the uh, I think Penn State and Michigan State specifically in the Big Ten would uh, you know based on the weekends that they had they didn't lose but they came quite close to uh, in their games I mean I feel like teams like that would trade you know uh, would switch spots with the Badgers uh, very easily so I think the farther out we got from that game you know the the more some of those little nitpicky things seem small um, by comparison, but I guess I'm curious to get your take from what you saw uh, in Wisconsin's win over the Helltoppers. Yeah, definitely. I think it starts with Alex Hornerbrook. Um, he went through that game uh, without any turnovers, and that was certainly something that, you know, his his naysayers and, you know, others were, were harping on quite a bit last year, and, you know, deservedly so, uh, you know, with the decisions he made, the interceptions that he had, but you know, he threw for over 250 yards, had two touchdowns. I thought he was pretty sharp uh, throughout the evening. So, you know, that was one takeaway. Um, and then, you know, in the piece that we wrote as a staff, uh, you know, the confident, curious, and uh, what was the third C there? Which one am I missing? Confident, curious. Uh, oh, man, I'm kind of blanking on that too. <laughs> Anyways. Kind of that the fall camp blues. I, I don't know. <laughs> information overload. And, you know, with – with the concern part, I know I wrote that, you know, after one game, uh, you know, it's not something that's too alarming. And, you know, with this being said, I would also say that, you know, I'm Jim Leonard's defense. Um, I had a chance to watch the game at least two more times uh, since then. I, you know, I, he, they didn't show a whole lot. And, you know, that's obviously by design. And, you know, he's going to keep some stuff under his sleeve before they get to Big Ten play. But, um, you know, they, they probably didn't get to the quarterback as much as they had hoped to. Um, I, I think uh, Ryan Conley had a sack and, and Van Ginkle had a quarterback hurry. So um, I think, like you mentioned, John, it, you know, it's it's nitpicking, but um, I, I think they would have liked to maybe have got to the quarterback a little bit more than they did against Western Michigan. But again, you know, they sat in their base defense a lot. I don't think they, you know, used a lot of, uh, you know, the stuff that Jim Leonard has in his playbook. So um, for offense, I think it was Alex Hornerbrook was sharp. Defense, you know, maybe they needed to get in the backfield a little bit more often. I think the uh, the the one thing to consider just schematically from that game is with how Western Kentucky's offense is designed. I mean, they are they're kind of a quick hitting team. They want to get the ball and you know kind of get it away, throw it or uh, hand it off to the running back as soon as they could. And so I think that automatically just kind of limits the opportunities that you're going to have to get after the quarterback. Now, obviously, they're going to have you know, some deeper pass plays, or if you design some pressure, you can get some guys in there. But, you know, I mean, if you're, 
you know, committed to just kind of running your base stuff um, and playing, you know, not not intentionally vanilla, but you're you're not exactly throwing the uh, the whole playbook at them um, right away. I mean, I think with that combination, it's not quite so um, surprising to to see uh, you know not a whole lot of uh, action from those outside linebackers. Those guys are going to get after the uh, get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, and you know we can talk about this a little bit more uh, as we uh, get further into the into the show. But uh, well, I think one boost that uh, the defense will get with uh, the pass rush is you know the potential or impending return of Isaiah Loudermilk um, onto that defensive line. Uh, the, the coaching staff really seems to think that he uh, you know, has a skill set uh, as a pass rusher that uh, some of the other guys, specifically at defensive end, um, don't quite have. And so getting him. You know, getting his feet wet this week, and then um, you know, hopefully uh, for the Badgers over the next couple of weeks, he would be able to kind of shoulder um, more regular workload. I think once he's ready to go, that would uh, give the the defense a big boost as far as just a pass rush standpoint, too. Right. Yeah. You know, I guess um, you know, even though there really wasn't a timetable laid out, it sounded like uh, they wanted to get him back around uh, you know the Big Ten opener against Iowa. So I guess two weeks before that is. Is pretty good news. So you know it'll be interesting to see how many snaps Laudermilk will get. You know it sounds like he'll for sure play uh, in one what capacity. It'll be interesting to see. And then you know on the other side of the ball, they'll, they'll get Xander Neville back uh, at tight end. Uh, you know probably Wisconsin's best blocking tight end. Uh, so it's it's kind of the same situation with him. How many reps does he does he play? Uh, he's a little bit more proven than Laudermilk is. Uh, we haven't got a chance to see a whole lot of Isaiah Laudermilk. He's been kind of nicked up since he's arrived on campus. But uh, two guys, you know, especially when you kind of look at that Iowa and even BYU game where where you definitely like to have on them on each side of the ball because they're probably going to be a little bit more physical contest where you're going to need each of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, just from a, um, a confidence and like a um, – you know, a run blocking standpoint, I think adding, uh, getting Neville back, if he's, if he's full go and, you know, can play most of a game at least, uh, or, you know, get some significant snaps, that would, uh, that would, um, that's going to be a big boost for the Badgers in particular, because um, in the, the game on Friday, they, they appear to have lost uh, Luke Benchwall, at least for a couple games, according to, uh, to Paul Christ and uh, Benchwall, the younger younger Benchwall. Uh, obviously, he's uh, he's Bill Benchwall's uh, younger brother, I believe. Um, but uh, he had kind of taken over as that primary, you know, uh, blocking or inline tight end with uh, Neville, um, you know, working his way back from the uh, the ACL injury that he had at the end of last year. So to get Neville back right as you know, you see a guy like Benchwall um, have to take a step back for a little while. That's a it's some good timing um, for the Badgers to uh, to get somebody that can you know really kind of reclaim that uh, that inline tight end spot and uh, make sure that that uh, you know doesn't become a weakness. Uh, especially as it looks like you know just from a scheme standpoint, to me the the Wisconsin's uh, offense might be a particularly tough challenge for New Mexico uh, this upcoming week, just because their their base defense is a three three five, and so I think. Uh, you know, unless they uh, change their sub packages a lot, that's uh, if you, the Badgers could really just kind of roll out a you know regular two tight end set, and uh, I think that that kind of bodes well for their running game this upcoming weekend too. Right, yeah, against New Mexico, uh, they played Incarnate Word in Week One. Uh, you know, they blew them. I think it was sixty-two to something. Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but uh, if if Incarnate Word was able to do a little bit of something, it was on the ground and. Uh, where they where they had a little bit of success, so I would imagine Wisconsin tries to come out 
on Saturday and uh, just try to establish the run. I mean, nothing different than, you know, what they try to do week in and week out. But I would imagine they have a lot of success there. Um, I think maybe you'll see a deeper stable of backs. Uh, potentially, I think, you know, Jonathan Taylor and, you know, Taiwan Deal received the bulk of the carries uh, against Western Kentucky. You know, will you see a little bit more Chris James? Will you see a little bit more Garrett Groshek? Uh, will you see a guy like maybe Nakia Watson in this week? So um, I think it's going to be a lot of kind of ground and pound for Wisconsin against New Mexico. And I guess, you know, I would expect a similar outcome to what Wisconsin had in week one. Uh, I think the spread's around 34 points. Uh, I think they'll be right around there. Uh, you were expecting to win pretty comfortably on Saturday. Yeah, and I guess one other thing that I'm going to be watching for that kind of dovetails in uh, from the end of the the Western Kentucky game is uh, I, I want to see how um, you know Jonathan Taylor does um, both as a as a receiver if they get if if they give him a couple more um, you know snaps or targets uh, out of the backfield because I, I believe he was uh, he was targeted twice and. Uh, uh, I think I don't know if, he, if it was two official drops or they were. De- it definitely looked like plays that he had a chance to make, but uh, he wasn't able to. And that uh, that doesn't really line up with uh, the the player that I saw in uh, in fall camp during practices. He was uh, it, he looked like he was somebody that could really kind of give the Badgers a um, an extra option in their passing game coming out of the backfield. And then I also kind of want to see um, how he responds and protects the football after uh, losing another fumble in that uh, that first game of the season that was kind of a an issue that sprung up um, specifically towards the end of last year uh, the the fumbling and then obviously losing the fumbles I mean I think some of that's a, a little bit of bad luck you're probably going to get you uh, you're probably going to lose I, on average I would think about you know half of the fumbles that you uh, or that you um, put on the ground um, but uh, this that's an issue that I think uh, you know Jonathan Taylor knows that he needs to um, clean up particularly as the Badgers move into what you would you know kind of call the tougher part of their schedule they they just can't especially with a new defense that that I think played well in this first game um, but is still young and is still inexperienced you know to a point um, the Badgers really can't afford for him to uh, to lose that many more balls uh, like that so that's something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on is uh, can he just protect the rock a little bit better too right you know that's kind of the one chink in his armor uh, from that big true freshman season where you know he did so many things well Uh, he, he did you know he had a fumbling issue and you know to see it kind of crop up again in week one is a little bit concerning uh, you know, once you get into conference play, you know, those turnovers can make a big swing in the game. Obviously, it didn't matter much against Western Kentucky. Uh, but, you know, once you get to, uh, like I said, Big Ten play, you know, you just you just can't have that. You know, it'll be interesting to see if if that continues, how much more, you know, of a workload does Taiwan Deal get? You know, how much more of a workload does Chris James get? You know, two senior guys who uh, maybe they feel a little bit more confident about that, you know, they won't cough up the football. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see, but you know, obviously Taylor showed you, um, you know, what he's able to do. I think I had 150 yards and two touchdowns, yeah. but he, he's got to get the the ball security cleaned up at some point. Uh, but you know, I don't think it's going to limit a, a ton of his carries. He's just he's just too talented to keep off the field. Uh, I guess on the other side of the ball, what I, I'm looking to see is, uh, you know, the 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 defensive backfield for Wisconsin. They're going to be thin at safety uh, going into this yeah. week. You know, they'll have Scott Nelson, Dakota Dixon as your starters, and then. Eric Burrell behind them, and then you know with the recent kind of shakeups there, Patrick Johnson just just on his way out. He's going to transfer. Uh, your fourth guy is probably Seth Currens. Uh, I don't think they want to get to him um, because he had you know essentially two tr- true freshmen. I guess at least one true freshman, Reggie Pearson, pass him up on the depth chart. So 
Uh, I think they feel pretty good about three uh, safeties, but beyond that, uh, maybe not too much. Uh, you know, obviously against Incarnate Ward, so it, it kind of comes with a caveat there. But uh, to to Veka Tuiati, I think, I think that's that right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, you know, threw for 327 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, what, what might be even more impressive, or what it might speak to Incarnate Word, is that he, you know, he connected with 10 different receivers in that game for at least one catch. So uh, he's a guy that can throw the football around a little bit, and he can run a little bit too. So I think he presents a little bit of, of a different challenge uh, for Wisconsin. Uh, and I think those those defensive backs, you know, that young cornerback group and that thin safety group, is yeah, they'll be tested on Saturday. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. Um, and I guess that kind of um, ties into something else that we were going to talk about. Uh, just with the the Badgers have had, uh, I would, I think it's fair to say, a uh, an unusual amount of um, you know roster turnover uh, in a in a short period because they've had um, Dante Carrier Williams uh, left the team uh, right before the start of the season, decided to uh, uh, get his release and will transfer somewhere after he uh, was passed up on the depth chart at cornerback. Uh, then they had uh, Arrington Farrar uh, decided to leave the team. Um, he was kind of a former four-star prospect who uh, never really found a home position-wise at Wisconsin. Uh, played a couple different spots and played in a lot of games as a, as a backup and um, especially on special teams. And then just recently, over uh, on uh, I believe it was Wednesday uh, or Tuesday, um, Badgers uh, confirmed that uh, Patrick Johnson was going to leave the team for personal reasons. Um, it's just not something that we've really seen from this uh, from the Badgers uh, over the last. They've had players leave, but you know, three within basically uh, you know two and a half weeks or so is uh, certainly surprising. Especially you know three scholarship players, um, depending on you know it's not not guys that were starting necessarily, but three guys that uh, you know, especially if you follow the recruiting rankings, people are going to remember from when the, the Badgers signed them. Um, I guess I'm I'm curious to. I think the from a depth standpoint, the Badgers will be fine. Um, you know, corner. I think they have a couple guys that they like, and you know, it's uh, it, it, there's a reason that uh, you know Kerry Williams got passed on the depth chart, and it's because uh, Caesar Williams and uh, Fan Hex were playing really well and had really good camps. Uh, so that's, I mean, from a depth standpoint, the the Badgers had already you know kind of moved those guys up. Uh, although it does kind of hurt their depth there for sure, because I, I feel like Kerry Williams. Uh, definitely would have played this season, even if he you know, had trouble reclaiming a starting spot. Um, and then, you know, Farrar, obviously you need to replace on special teams, but he was uh, relatively lower on the pecking order as far as reps go at outside linebacker. Um, and then uh, Patrick Johnson really, I think from a depth standpoint, uh, there's a case that that's, that's a, uh, that's a, a tough blow for the Badgers just because, you know, the secondary in particular, so uh, is so young. And then, uh, you know, with Reggie Pearson being hurt and, uh, you know, some of the other guys are a little bit younger at that position. Uh, you know, you, you never want to lose a guy that, you know, was playing well on that second team and, you know, could comfortably uh, move up into that first team if you needed him to. Um, but I guess I'm curious to, to see what you think uh, or how, how you think the Badgers move on from here. And I guess uh, you can probably speak to this better than I can. Uh, do you think that losing these scholarship guys over the last couple of weeks changes anything as far as their recruiting calculus goes for this upcoming um, recruiting cycle, the class of, uh, I believe it'll be 2019 that they will uh, be able to start signing over the next couple of months. Right. And if you look at it right now, by our count, Wisconsin uh, is sitting at 83. 
Uh, so I guess they have two open scholarships. Uh, you know, so you know, one option that they they could do, they have one walk-on uh, senior right now, and Mark Sari. Uh, he's a walk-on running back. Uh, so what they could do is give one of those to him, and you know, they would have it for for this year, and then they would be able to use that scholarship, you know, for the 2019 class, have an additional one. Or, you know, if you look at some of the other younger walk-ons, you know, the, the name that, that pops up is maybe Matt Henningsen, uh, you know, the redshirt freshman uh, defensive end who got his first career start uh, last week. So, um, you know, with that, though, that comes with a little bit more of a commitment. You know, that Wisconsin, you know, usually once they put a guy on scholarship, uh, it's with the intention for them to stay on scholarship for the rest of their career at Wisconsin. So, you know, if you were to give one to Henningsen, or, or someone else who's a little bit younger on the roster, you would expect, you know, just kind of looking at Wisconsin's history that that guy stays on scholarship. So um, if that were the case, then they wouldn't maybe have as many additional scholarships for the 2019 class. But, um, you know, if they were to use one, like I said, like on a guy like Matt Sari, or maybe someone that they know is is planning to graduate early or whatever it may be, then it could open up, you know, another scholarship or two uh, for the 2019 class. Yeah, I, I would be surprised, or I should say, I would not be surprised to see um, somebody like Henningsen get put on to scholarship, just because the uh, uh, I, I know the coaching staff has been impressed with you know him over the last couple months, and he really, uh, I think that that's a, I think an underrated um, storyline from the off season is getting you know a guy like Henningsen ready to uh, potentially come in and play some significant snaps as a, as a redshirt uh, freshman essentially um, you know after the losing Garrett Rand for the season and you know Isaiah Loudermilk has been sidelined for so long and that you know at the time the Badgers were, really weren't sure when he was going to get back on the field and that uh, that really kind of sapped a lot of depth from that position that was already losing so many guys from a senior class the previous year and uh, I think that uh, if anyone gets put on scholarship um, with one of these uh, ones that has just become open, then uh, that uh, that certainly wouldn't surprise me to see them reward Henningsen for the, the work that he put in in the offseason just to get himself ready to contribute when they needed him to. Yeah, and you know, I think it, he's a guy that's going to eventually go on scholarship, uh, so I think he would make a lot of sense. I think he's... Uh, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to be in the mix, you know, even when they get Laudermilk back, even when they get Ram back, I think they found a good player in him. So it uh, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me to uh, to see him get one. And then, you know, where they go with the other one, uh, I'm not really sure right now. But, I, you know, by my count, I think they have two to use right away for uh, for this fall. And it'll be interesting to see, uh, interesting to see who's going to be on the receiving end. Sure. I guess uh, why don't we uh, touch on a little bit more recruiting uh, before we wrap up and make our you know kind of official predictions uh, f- before the the New Mexico game. Um, are you going to go out and see any uh, any games this week in uh, Wisconsin State High School football action? Yeah, so Friday night uh, I'll get out to see Catholic Memorial. Uh, they're undefeated and they play Muskego, uh, who is which is also undefeated as well. So uh, probably the game of the week in the Milwaukee area, potentially the game of the week in the state as well. Um, I'm going to have my eye on uh, a few guys from from Waukesha Catholic Memorial. Uh, it, you know, it starts in the 2020 class with Ben Cruel. Uh, he's a linebacker. Uh, he's got an offer uh, from Iowa State and in Nebraska, and certainly someone that Wisconsin. Uh, has been monitoring as well. He camped with the Badgers. I would expect him to be, you know, in attendance at maybe a handful of Wisconsin's games this fall. So 
Uh, you know, he's a 2020 linebacker, like I mentioned, and uh, he figures to be, you know, one of the better prospects, in-state prospects in that class. Uh, but maybe the, the biggest name right now is, is J.C. Latham. Uh, he's a six foot six, two hundred, you know, eighty pound defensive end. He's only a sophomore, but he's already got an offer from Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, a handful of other schools already come with offers. Um, you know, he if if you get a chance to see him, if you're able to, he's he's a special talent. Uh, if he continues to kind of progress in the way that uh, a lot of people think he's able to, you know, he's a kid that could potentially be a five star kid from inside. Uh, the state of Wisconsin. He's just uh, ultra impressive. You know, physically, he's he's ahead of, you know, way ahead of the curve for guys in his class. Ahead of the curve for just just about a lot of high school players in the state, just in general. So uh, he's a special talent. So uh, you know, I'm gonna go out and see those two as well. And then you know, I was chatting with their coach this week, and he said, you know, I know that you're you're looking at those guys, but also keep an eye on Cam Doan. Uh, he's a freshman defensive lineman for them, who's been starting, you know, all season on varsity. He's about six foot four, two hundred forty pounds. Uh, probably projects a defensive tackle, and the coach said that you know he's he's well on his way to being a Division one prospect as well. Uh, probably at a high level, so he's he's another guy I'll keep an eye on. Uh, Catherine Memorial again, you know, one of the best teams in the state, but uh, you know they they have an, a huge amount of young talent on that roster. Uh, for being a Division three school, so I'm excited to get the to get out and see them play for the first time this fall, uh, Friday night against Muskego. All right, and then before we get out of here, we might as well just uh, go on the record with our uh, official predictions for Wisconsin's game against New Mexico, which kicks off at uh, 11 o'clock at uh, Camp Randall Stadium on Saturday. Uh, John, you see anything standing in the way of uh, the Badgers moving to two and zero and uh, taking care of business against uh, New Mexico? No, I don't. I, I think it's going to be similar, though, to uh, to the Western Kentucky, where, you know, like you talked about at the, at the start of this, John, you know, Wisconsin maybe comes out with a 30-point win, but, you know, doesn't blow fans away. Um, but, you know, it's it's a win that Paul Christ, I'm sure, and his coaching staff will take any day of the week. Uh, I, you know, I expect it to be, you know, something around, you know, 35 to 10, 35 to 3 in favor of Wisconsin. I think I'm going to go – Maybe uh, adjust my my offense prediction up a little bit. I think the Badgers maybe get up into the the forties or maybe even the fifties uh, as far as uh, points for themselves uh, this week. I think getting uh, getting Xander Neville back will uh, really help the offense whenever he's able to get onto the field. And so, I, and I think that just from a from a schematic standpoint, I think the Badgers are going to have a, a pretty decent advantage when they, whenever they have the ball, uh, wouldn't surprise me to see this defense, uh, give up, you know, a couple big chunk plays in this game, just because of how, um, New Mexico's offense has changed. They brought in, um, their, their new offensive coordinator is kind of the, uh, a, a spread option guru, uh, came up and helped kind of develop and popularize that offense with Rich Rodriguez at, at West Virginia, uh, back in the day. And has kind of followed him around since then. So they hired him away from Arizona where he helped, um, Arizona's uh, quarterback Khalil Tate have a, a pretty good season last year, so I think it wouldn't surprise me to see New Mexico take some big shots and uh, maybe connect on a few. But I think from an from a offensive firepower standpoint, I think the Badgers will be able to uh, kind of have their way with this game. I would agree with that, John. Can't argue with any of that. 
All right. Well, that'll wrap it up uh, for this edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you next week uh, as the Badgers uh, move on into week three. They play BYU on the upcoming weekend, but they'll have to see if they can take care of business against the uh, New Mexico Lobos first. So thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week.